Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio. Your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 19, Episode 4, powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide, and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream, for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. We're now happy to bring on Martin Madden, Assistant General Manager for the Anaheim Ducks, to talk about some prospects in their system. Martin, thanks for coming on the show again. We always appreciate that. It's always a pleasure, Shane. Well, let's talk about Tyson Hines right off the top. And it's his first year coming into the American Hockey League, which can be a little bit of a a shock to the system, particularly for defensemen, uh, because they're not playing against, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old kids anymore, but thoughts on, you know, his progress last year, I found, you know, watching him play with Sherbrooke, it was an opportunity, you know, for him along with, you know, David Spasek to be that top pair, to be able to be in all situations, to be leaned on heavily by the coaching staff, have high expectations put upon him, have a letter on his sweater, uh, be put in a variety of different situations, more situations than he ever had before in his career, and then had the opportunity to play for Canada at the World Juniors. Talk about all those things that were put upon his plate that he took on, and how did that? How do you think that helped him prepare for this upcoming season in the American Hockey League? Well, I think the last time we talked about uh, Tyson, we we had discussed how having different coaches throughout his his uh, major junior career helped him grow. And uh, after that, he got to play for the World Junior Team, uh, and he you know he was playing for a really strong team in, in Sherbrooke and faced all kinds of different situations. Uh, and I think that's how players get better; they get stressed. Uh, to their extreme, they're they're asked to go above and beyond what they were doing before, and uh, I think Tyson's poise and overall uh, attitude helped him go through those challenges. And uh, you know, I think it's set up uh, a good season for him uh, in the American League this year. He had a good camp, really good camp, as probably as as, as good as last year. And uh, now it's for him to keep doing what he was doing last year at another level against stronger players, against more experienced players and, and keep growing as a, uh, as a two-way defenseman. Thoughts on that progress for him. You know, I like, you know, when players get different perspectives and they get pushed to their cognitive limits and sometimes in, you know, particularly, I think more importantly at that stage in the junior or college ranks to be pushed to your cognitive limits a little bit more than, you know, maybe your physical limits and being allowed to make mistakes at the junior or college level, because although we discuss and say that the American league is a developmental league, the number of, of mistakes that coaches tolerate at the AHL level is not as high as perhaps some people perceive it to be. So I like to see the players make those mistakes and get thrown back on the ice at the junior level. Do you think that was an advantage for Tyson, particularly in the last season? Yeah, for sure. You know, you get stressed. You you you're asked to to play huge minutes. Uh, so you learn to 
to gauge your your energy level and uh, understand where uh, when it's uh, it's time to go and when it's time to stay back and uh, when it's time to take risks and uh, when it's time to uh, bear down be more physical and be more conservative in your approach so uh, obviously the leash was a, was a little longer uh, for him last year uh regardless of what was happening he was getting back out on the on the next shift so he had to manage through that and i think he, he was able to grow uh, in that role because of it let's uh, next let's talk about sasha uh, sasha pastoroff you know he was you know another 2021 draft pick third round i like talking about the third round players because those are the players that if they do make the NHL and it's, you know, four or five years down the road, then, you know, the general media or the, you know, the broadcasters go, Oh, that's really a stupid pick. Or they just sort of like, they sort of miss that in between part that we get to talk about. I, I like to talk about his progression because he had back to back, really solid, obviously more than solid offensive seasons, but talk about his play off the puck and how much that improved, particularly this year when he was leaned on a little heavier, just to be a more well-rounded player, because we see in junior where guys are allowed some leeway in terms of not necessarily playing the best away from the puck because they're so dominant offensively. You think he became much more well-rounded, just more cognizant of what he needs to do off puck. I think so. Uh, Sasha had a tough start last year in Guelph. Uh, before uh, before getting traded to uh, to Sarnia, you know that led to him not making the World Junior Team uh, after playing the year before. I think it was uh, it was a bit of a wake up call for him in terms of okay, what is it that I'm not doing? Because uh, I'm still scoring, so what is it that I'm not doing that is costing me this opportunity? And what can I do better in a new environment? Uh, for me to keep growing as a player. And uh, we talk about off the puck for, for Sasha at, at that point, I think it, w- it wasn't just off the puck defensively. It was how do I engage more uh, to not just get open to receive the puck offensively, but to be able to be a better line mate uh, for, for my center and, and, and my winger. How do I compliment them uh, apart from getting open in the offensive zone for the shot or, or to make the play? So, you know, being more energetic, pursuing better, better angles, uh, being more responsible and reading the play better uh, when line mates are doing that work and, and supporting them better in terms of my positioning uh, and staying focused in that and consistent uh with it throughout the game uh going beyond you know that that first initial surge of of the first period and staying focused and energetic for all three periods uh so i think that's where he grew the most last year uh he he needs to continue to work on his skating to be able to do that efficiently uh he knows it he's worked he's had two really uh hard working summers in the gym uh, he's a much better athlete than he was two years ago. Uh, but as I said, with Tyson, now it's another, it's, it's another level you're playing against men and you're doing it, uh, 
you're doing it as a rookie. So you don't have the experience to, to fall back on when you're a rookie in the American league. So this is going to be a really interesting test for him. Are these conversations you have, particularly with the young prospects that, that are still you know, in the junior and college ranks that you get to see and talk to after games. And that little reminder of it's really important to build your habits now before you get into the American league, because this league is going to, that league's going to surprise you. You're going to realize how good it really is. Fast, strong, highly competent players. Yeah. I mean, up to a point, I think, I think we rely on our development staff to do that. We rely on the GM to do that. We rely on the coaches when they do get to work with us, uh, the player gets to, you know, to be in camp development or, or rookie or main camp. That's when, that's when there's more impact. Uh, I've, I've seen over the years, you know, he, he, it's nice for them to to know us and we give them feedback, but they don't really realize it until they're placed in a position where, okay, their next shift is, uh, is relied, is, uh, is going to be impacted by uh, how well they respond to that type of feedback. So, so that's why, you know, sometimes it takes a little longer uh, and you let them grow. You like let them make their mistakes and, uh, in juniors and uh, and then they they figure out that uh, the the feedback was real once they get to pro. Well, sometimes I mean this happens with all of us, including you and I. Seeing is believing. You know, we can say yes, that's great. Yeah. We nod our head, and then and then we see it straight in our eyes, and we're like, oh, oh yeah. I mean, they weren't. You know, mom and dad weren't lying, or you know, X person wasn't lying. Like this really is maybe even more so than it really is. So that's why. I really enjoy watching the kids play in their first year in the American league uh, because I, I, I like to see how they adjust to that. And I, I think it's a really, it's fascinating case study. We're going to take a short break on hockey prospect radio. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about the Anaheim ducks prospects right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospects Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at FractalHockey.com. 
Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back and powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Martin Madden, Assistant General Manager for the Anaheim Ducks, about some prospects going through this system. And I'd also like to talk to you about Jacob Perot. You know, it's interesting. I've had conversations about him with other people, and there's because he's a first-round pick, there's this you know narrative around first-round picks. They don't even really look at where he was drafted. They just look at, oh, he's a first-round pick, so he should be in the NHL. And I, I, I kind of look at them and say, you know, he just turned 21 in April. And then there's this blank stare at me like, oh, yeah. Like, we sometimes forget that there's a process that these kids take, and not everybody is Connor McDavid or, you know, Connor Bedard. And it does actually legitimately take time to develop. Um, talk about that process with Jacob because he was exposed to the to the American League earlier than most of his peer group. How much of that was a benefit? Maybe sometimes a bit of a hindrance to him, um, if him trying to catch up and remembering the fact that you know he was nineteen and twenty during that time frame. Uh, absolutely, I, I think it's uh, Jacob's a really an interesting example of the impact of. Uh, of the pandemic on player development and how everybody's dealt with it differently. Yeah. At the time we thought, well, this is a great opportunity for him to get his feet wet in the American league and, uh, you know, get that experience uh, under his belt really quickly. Uh, He had some success early on scoring goals uh, in that first year. Uh, But the, the rest of that season was, was tough. It was tough physically, was tough mentally. You know, you're, again, you're playing with much older, older guys. You're in an environment where you're, you're stuck by yourself quite a bit because, uh, because of what's going on in the world. Uh, And then you're expected as a first round pick to produce, you're expected to get better, you're expected to, uh, to lead. Uh, and I don't think Jacob was ready for that at, at that point. Uh, I think it affected his confidence a little bit. So it's been, I think his development has been up and down uh, since then. Uh, as with most players, I, it, for him, it comes back down to focus and consistency. Uh, we see the flashes. Uh, we we know the skill. He demonstrates the skill, demonstrates the the explosiveness and uh, the ability to to get open, get a shot, to beat people one on one, but the game is about more than that. And learning to do the more than that consistently uh, takes longer for for some people, and it's taken Jacob a bit 
a bit more time than we had hoped for. And I'm sure that he had hoped for. Uh, but as you've mentioned, he's still very young. And it's not because uh, he's had, you know, parts of three seasons in the American League that, okay, he's not in the NHL, he's not a prospect anymore. That's not the way it works. You know, just look at, uh, at his dad, Yannick. You know, it took him a while to uh, to be a regular NHL player. And he certainly ended up having a, a really uh, strong career. So we continue to believe in Jacob's ability and uh, and give him the tools and the support for him to keep growing uh, as a person and, and as a player. It's interesting you brought that up because the average age for an NHL rookie is 22.9 years of age, draft plus five. Like unless you're one of the exceptions, it generally takes you that amount of time. And I, I found really fascinating in some of the research I've been doing on cognitive performance, particularly, you know, in the frontal lobe of the brain, which is higher reasoning, decision making that generally doesn't finish developing in males till you're about 24, which is co- why car insurance companies drop their rates at 25 were prior in that time in that time frame 18 to 22 23 we're consistently inconsistent as as young men and we were no different you and i and so why should be why should the other players be any different too and it's just sometimes we have to reframe our perspective of what's actually happening and if they are inconsistent that's actually normal and and it's actually would be surprising if they weren't inconsistent based on the level of emotional, mental, and physical pressures they are on on, in a daily basis comparative to their just normal peer group in the world. For sure. All good points. Uh, But, you know, you know how uh, sports uh, work, you know, it's everybody's under, uh, under stress, under pressure to, uh, to win, to perform, to get better, to show progression. So, uh, Sometimes we forget uh, that there is a, there is a process and it doesn't take, uh, you know, it, it takes different amounts of time for, for these kids to, to get to their uh, best selves. Yeah. The final destination. And they just have most, most importantly, they got to get there. Um, you know, if it takes an extra year, I think that's, that's okay. Let's talk about that from a different perspective with Ian Moore, who uh, who's playing with Harvard. He's in his third year. And the fact that, you know, he's 21 and it's going to end up coming out as a pro at 22 and then starting his pro career in particularly like in the American hockey league as a 22 year old. Uh, what do you think based on you know, your past experiences, the advantage of not having to go into the American league as a 20 year old and having maybe an extra year or two years under your belt, just for physical and mental, you know, emotional development, before you have to, you know, hit the ground running in a very competitive, tough league in the in the AHL. I don't want to paint a, a, with a broad stroke there because I think it it, it does vary uh, from individual to individual, and and the CHL is still a, a very strong development league that leads you know kids to be pros at twenty. Uh, in terms of Ian Moore and what we thought of where he was in his development, both physically, well, especially physically when we drafted him, uh, we think he, he, he went the, the right route. He, he, he was a lanky uh, string bing, bean of a kid uh, when we drafted him. He needed that extra time uh, for physical maturity. Uh, and uh, we knew he was going to play in one year in the uh, in the USHL under a good coaching staff in Chicago. Uh, and 
and his path to to Harvard was was already decided at that point. So for Ian, it, it was the right decision. It's the right path. It's allowed him to get stronger, uh, to fill out, to uh, to mature in terms of his poise, in terms of uh, in terms of his confidence to take charge. He was already he was always a a confident player in terms of his skill, uh, in terms of his game, but but he's become more of a leader uh, by, by taking a longer path. So uh, we're happy where, where he's at at this point. Thoughts. Uh, I mean, I know the season hasn't started for him yet because the ECAC always starts a little bit later. Um, they let the Ivy league kids actually get some homework done. Uh, not like, you know, probably you and I, when we were in university, <laughs> maybe getting our homework later done than, than we're supposed to. But thoughts on, you know, that league, give, you know, not maybe not playing as many games and giving some time for some of these kids like, you know, Ian Moore, of being able to hit the gym and work out in a specific way for their body type. Yeah, again, no broad strokes for me on, on that one. Uh, in terms of Ian, yeah, he is a, he's a responsible, uh, process-oriented individual. Uh, really disciplined. So for him, that time, that extra time, he doesn't waste it. Uh, we could go through some other players that have gone that route uh, in the past uh, for us where the extra time or the the really nice, perfect gym just down the hall didn't really make much of a difference because they didn't make their way down there too often. So it, it comes down to how how driven you are as an individual out, you know, can you stick with that process? Do you, do you have clear goals in mind and do you follow through on, on the plan that you elaborate for yourself or that the team uh, puts in front of you? So it's a, uh, it's a process, but as far as Ian is concerned, we're, uh, we're happy that he is, uh, he's, he's used that extra time uh to get stronger and uh, and continue to to uh, to perform well. Well, Martin, want to thank you very much for the great insight and your prospects. Looking forward to seeing you at the rink and uh, having you back on the show. Thanks, Shane. Always a pleasure. That's Martin Madden, assistant general manager for the Anaheim Ducks. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. 
Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at FractalHockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting. Through an integrated series of best business practices, they design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. We're now going to speak with Ross Mahoney, Assistant General Manager of the Washington Capitals, about some prospects in the system. Ross, thanks for coming on the show again. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show, Shane. So let's uh, talk about your first pick in the first round of Ryan Leonard, who went off to Boston college and he was one of those players, you know, looking at him through the draft where, you know, you look at your current roster and not saying that you're trying to find a replacement for certain players who are getting up in age, but it just, I thought it was fortuitous that you could potentially have a replacement for a guy like TJ OC only because they have some similar skill sets and similar attributes about how they approach the game and how they play the game. And I thought to myself, when we were right at the draft, I said that to Steve Coolius. I go, hmm, interesting. I wonder 10 years down the road if I'm going to come back and think that that was accurate or not. So talk a little bit about Ryan Leonard as a player and what he what really intrigued you and your staff about him as a player and um, how fortunate do you feel they had a chance to pick him there? Yeah, no, we were really uh, felt we were really fortunate to be able to have a chance to uh, call out Ryan's name. Um, I think he kind of brings a bit of a unique uh, skill set in the sense that uh, he can score. Uh, I was very evident last year. I think he had 51 goals or 50 some goals in about 55 games. Uh, scored big goals too. I think he had the overtime winner in the uh, in the World Championships, the under 18s. But he also brings a, a level of intensity that we really like. Um, he's hard to play against. You know, he's strong in front of the net. He's strong in the corners. He's uh, he, He'll battle. He'll take the puck hard to the net. So it's kind of that combination of, of the skill, yes, but also uh, that intensity and that kind of grit that he brings to, uh, to every shift and every game that he plays in. How much of that when you're assessing players like a guy like Ryan, there are – players who are certainly going to help you make the playoffs. And then there's the playoff style players. And I would, I put Ryan in that. It's one of the reasons why I actually had him quite high in my list. I think I had him six is because of that additional value. I thought, you know, there's players who make really good decisions, but there's also players who make good decisions and good choices. And he makes good choices. He's willing to take hit, hits to make plays. He's willing to go to the net and take some pounding from, you know, from defensemen, he's he, he's willing to do 
block shots. He's willing to do those things that playoff players have to do if you're going to win. Is that some of the things that you guys observed as well? Yeah, no, for sure. You know, like we said uh, earlier, the goal scoring for sure was there. I mean, he can make plays also, but but that uh, that willingness, like to go to those tough areas to score or you know finish checks, you know, to make it uncomfortable for defensemen when they go back and puck retrievals. Uh, I think those are all you know qualities that were really liked in him, also in the sense that uh, that intensity that he brings and that you know, desire to, to be a difference maker when he's out there. And so I think that's that's really important for us and and glad that Ryan, you know, has that attitude where he wants to be a difference maker. He wants to be able to to have an impact on the game, whether it is with the skill or whether it is with his physical play. What I also was intrigued by is I thought he did a really good job of puck support for his line mates where he wasn't just looking for a pass to make a shot. Yes, he scored lots of goals, and I think everybody sort of gravitated towards that. But I like the fact that he could draw defenders or his puck support was really strong. And it may not be in the most advantaged place for him to take a shot and do what he loves to do is score goals. But he he made decisions that were the betterment to keep the play alive and to support his teammates. Yeah, no, he can he can pass the puck uh, as well as shoot for sure, and I think that was pretty evident too when we uh, you know when we watched him. As you said, it wasn't like he was always a shoot first mentality. It was kind of what's right in the right situation, you know, whether to shoot, which he obviously likes to do, or like as you said, to to draw people to him and then be able to dish off to one of his line mates. I want to ask you about Andrew Crystal. I'm really intrigued. He was a player that we had, there was a lot of discussion amongst, um, you know, the independent, you know, scouts, a lot of the discussion around the media about where he would, where he would fall in the draft, where he was going to be positioned. I always thought that it just mattered what team he went to. He had to go to a team that understood what his development path was because he's so, so exceptionally talented with the puck. His puck skills are elite. There's no debating that. And I think the only concern with him was just really, how quick can he be? Like, it's really about, like, we talk about skating fast in the NHL. Um, from your perspective, I look at it as how well can he skate the game? Because you look at Mark Stone, he's not the most fleet of foot. Either is Tyler Toffoli. I mean, either is Brennan Gallagher. But they understand how to skate the game effectively. Is that something that you guys look at Andrew Crystal and go, you know what, with getting a little bit stronger, he's going to get a little bit quicker, but he understands how to skate the game, and we're not concerned that he's not what we would call a burner in that respect. Because even if you're a fast skater, it doesn't mean you're going to effectively skate the game. No, and I think, you know, as you alluded to earlier, I mean, Andrews, he's such an intelligent hockey player. I think he's always two or three steps ahead of most players on the ice with what he wants to do with the puck. And he seems to have tremendous awareness. Um, as far as the skating, I mean, when you give Andrew the puck, he doesn't slow down at all when he has the puck. You know, he That's almost an looks advantage. Like, a lot of guys do slow down when they have the puck. Yeah, people have a tendency, players, to sometimes drop their head a little bit and, you know, kind of keep an eye on the puck a little bit more. And Andrew, it's kind of glued to his stick. Um, and as you said, I mean, as Andrew gets uh, stronger and uh, matures, you know, he's he's going to get a little more leg strength. And I think his, uh, his skating, which is is good enough, you know, for us, will get even better and make him uh, even more dynamic than he is right now. It's one of the things that Connor Bedard had said, because obviously both him and Andrew are friends. He goes, don't underestimate how skilled he is because the game moves faster through the puck than it does through your feet, particularly even at the NHL level. So he won't have the puck for long because he doesn't have to. 
he'll move it and then find a place for him to get it back. And he'll move it again. And he's going to force people to chase the puck instead of even being glued or chasing him for that matter. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, you know, Andrew also is, uh, he's very competitive, you know, he really yeah. wants to, he really wants to make a, you know, be a difference maker out there, you know, and I, I think that competitiveness that he has and that desire to, uh, to be, you know, the best player out there, I think really bodes well for us in the future and for Andrew. Yeah. One of the things that's jumped out to me, I mean, it, look, the season's really early. He's only played 10 games, but he has 23 points, not shocking, uh, but he has seven goals in 10 games. And uh, we talked about that when I saw him at the combine, he goes, and he goes this year, there's going to be much more e- um you know, emphasis on scoring some goals. I like to play make, you know, I'm, you know, obviously I like to make passes and make plays, but I want to be able to be that 50, 50 dual threat in that respect. Is that something that you noticed that he was trying to do more of not just last year, but coming into this year as well? Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, but, he, but he's such a smart player that I think he, he knows uh, what's appropriate in the right situation, whether it's to score or whether it's to pass uh, he obviously has that you know, elite hands and, and excellent vision. Um, you know, I just saw him play a couple of games on uh, last weekend uh, in Kelowna, and uh, he kind of had both on display, you know, his ability to pass, his ability to score. He scored a couple breakaway goals, but he also had some really nice uh, assists that he had, uh, whether it was 5-1-5 or whether it was on the power play where he uh, – a couple of times I, I was fooled as to who he was going to pass to, but he, he ended up passing to the right player who had uh, – you know, an opportunity to get a, an easy goal. Well, and those are the kind of things that I like being pleasantly surprised because you think you're watching from far above. The game's much slower. You're like, okay, he has this option. That's the best option. And then he moves it someplace else that ends up being a better option. You're like, wait a minute. How come I didn't see it from up here? You know, clearly, you know, maybe we're not as quick as, you know, we realize from being up above. And I, I like that observation uh, from that standpoint ross and what do you think he needs to do this year specifically to help himself move along particularly off puck away from the puck oh you know i think it's uh, a lot of times those guys that are really skilled and, and very talented with the puck they you know sometimes just need to pay a little more attention to the uh, you know defensive side of the game you know make sure they're not leaving the zone early that those sort of things and uh, and andrew knows that and you know, he's working with our, our development team with Steve Richmond, Jim Slater, you know, uh, Brooks Orpik, uh, Ole Kolzig, and they're kind of, you know, they'll, they'll remind him to work on all parts of his game, you know, which, which he will. I mean, he's a, as I said, he's a smart player and he's a, he's got a real good character and, uh, you know, he's going to be able to, uh, like I said, work on a 200 foot game. We, we know he's got that offensive ability. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. Stay tuned. and We'll talk more about the Caps prospects right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. 
The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting. Through an integrated series of best business practices, they design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. We're continuing to talk about the Caps prospects with Ross Mahoney, their assistant general manager. Ross, want to get your thoughts on Ivan Mira Shashenko. You know, he's such an intriguing young player. He's still only 19, but he's 6'1", 195 pounds already. And he's coming, he came over to play for his first year in the American Hockey League as a 19-year-old. But because he played in the KHL, I'm less nervous about that. Maybe nervous isn't the right way, but I have a little bit of trepidation when younger players come in. But if they have that pro experience, particularly in Europe, I think it makes the transition that much easier and I know it's been early based on our recording he's only played five games but you know he's got three points and you know he's a plus on the plus minus ledger which isn't the greatest stat but I mean it's much better than having you know big minuses on his you know on his ledger as well thoughts on his transition thus far I know it's early but thoughts on how he's handled it yeah no I think he's handled it really well um I thought he had a really good training camp uh, he got an opportunity to get in and play a few exhibition games and played really well in the exhibition games. Um, as you said, he's down in Hershey right now. Um, I think he scored uh, a couple goals here in the last three games, yeah. uh, playing with uh, Hendricks Lapierre and uh, and Dubé. Uh, they seem like they've got some good chemistry. Um, physically, he's, he's very strong for a 19-year-old. So I think that transition that you were talking about going from you know, 19 year old to the American Hockey League, which is such a good league, you know, it, and it's it, tremendous. It is. I think people, people really, I think sometimes underestimate how good the players are and how good the league is. And, and uh, I think that you're right in the sense of when he was playing, you know, with the men in Europe. I mean, I think that helps that transition. Uh, it makes it a lot easier than just, you know, coming out of, out of junior or coming out of college and being, you know, put in that situation. But, um, Really happy with his uh, with his progress so far, and 
And uh, we've got a great staff down there in, in Hershey, and they're doing a real good job with them. Well, it's one of the AHL you know, teams I like going to see play. I think it's a great setup for your prospects. You know, we've had a, a really long relationship with Hershey uh, as the ownership group. I think that's really, really important. You're very obviously close to, you know, your player development staff gets down there. You know, it's easy to get to from that standpoint. I like that. How much do you think it's important to have him paired up with a couple, like at least one young guy, you know, in, in, in Hendricks in that fact that you can pal around with a guy who's around your age as the, you know, you're both beginning the transition through the American hockey league with, you know, in a league with a lot of older players, you know, that 25, 26 to 30, you know, two year olds, that's the majority of the league with the young prospects of, you know, 20 to 23 sprinkled in there. Yeah, no, we've got a real good situation there. We always have some uh, really good veteran players. Um, You know, we've had, I guess the opportunity over the years to, have our young guys grow up in a winning environment. And uh, we're, you know, the players did a great job last year in winning the Calder Cup. And, and you're right. I mean, he does have the Hendricks Lapierres and, you know, Vince Nairorio's down there. We've got Alexander Sustalev. So it's not like he's on this, you know, veteran team. He also, as you said, has young guys that he's uh, hanging out with, but also has that veteran leadership to be able to help not just uh, Ivan, but uh, but the rest of our younger guys. And uh, we couldn't ask for a better situation you know, as far as our relationship with Hershey and, you know, it's kind of led by Brian Helmer, um, you know, the general manager down there and Brian's, he knows what this is all about. You know, he was part of our system. He was, uh, I think he's probably won three or four Calder Cups himself as a player or as a general manager. And, and it, you know, moves on to our coaching staff, which are really good at, uh, real good teachers, Todd Nelson and does a great job. So, you know, I think we're really fortunate and it's, uh, it's a real good situation. Like I said, not just for Ivan, but for all of our young players. Yeah, and that's what I've talked to Patrick Williams about that specifically, about the necessity of having your AHL farm team, having that stability long-term and having that balance between, yes, you want to win because obviously you have to drive revenue for the ownership group and you want to put your players in winning you know, situations, but also there's that development factor too of teaching these young players how to play and try to balance that effectively. So yes, we're going to try to win, but you know, we also have to develop at the same time without sacrificing the young players. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, if you look back at our kind of our history there, even their Stanley cup winning team, I mean, and players before that, you know, the Carl Alsner's and John they Carlson, came through Hershey, Mike, yeah. Mike greens and, you know, whether it was Jay Beagle and we had a lot of players, Chandler Stevenson, you know, they, they came through Hershey. I mean, some of our Europeans, I guess, that didn't come over till they were 21 or 22, might have gone right to the NHL. But uh, for the most part, all of our younger people go to Hershey, and it's oh, it's been a great experience for them, and it's really prepared them for uh, to step in and, and play well in the NHL for us. Let's talk about Ryan Chesley, defenseman who is now going into his second year University of Minnesota after coming out of the program. And he's one of those guys where – he, it sort of reminds me of Martin Farivarvi and the fact when Martin was that age, everybody sort of like kind of dismissed him a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, he's a fine player. And you kind of like shrugged their shoulders. And I'm like, like, on our show, we talked about you, talked to you about Martin. And like, no, I think he's going to play because he just does things so efficiently. It doesn't wow you, but he's just so efficient and understands how to skate the game really intelligently. I think Ryan's on the same sort of path. Like, He's going to be almost under assuming he's going to be a little bit under the radar, 
because um, he wasn't. He's a second round pick, not flashy, but just effective. The guy, and he'll end up probably playing. He might play ten years in the NHL because of that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think Ryan in his draft here um, probably had a little more of a, a defense role on the U.S. under eighteen team, which happens probably when you got a stacked team. A, yeah, he was more, you know, two-way defenseman, penalty kill. But I think the interesting, you know, sort of side note to that was that I don't think there's been a defenseman. Uh, I think he scored the most goals of any defenseman in the history of the program. So the offense is there, you know, and I think it'll it'll uh, it'll come out more and more um, as you know as he continues to to play here and as he as he matures. So yeah, I, th- I think there's more to give with him with Ryan offensively, but. Uh, we were very happy to be able to call his name out, you know, a couple of years ago. We think we got a, a real solid uh, player. One of the things that you, you know, once again, I'm going to reference Martin Ferrivari on that is those type of players tend to be far more effective in the pro game at the NHL and AHL level than they are in junior or college because play, their wingers and their defense partners are where they're supposed to be. It's almost like they're waiting. You know, when they have the puck, I'm like, okay, you're supposed to be where you're supposed to be. Okay, now I can move the puck. And there's like, you know, they're not, they don't get a chance to take advantage of opportunities because they look at what's the best move. And, you know, we have to do that. And so there's, there's those kind of players are so conscious of what they do with the puck that I think they're more adept to playing at the pro game when everybody's much more responsible and consistent in that respect. Yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, when you go to a game and, and a player, he might not uh, do something in that game that is just unbelievable, you know, exceptional. But you walk out of the rink and go, oh, boy, that, that guy never made – he didn't make any mistakes tonight. You know, kept it simple, you know, head man the puck, was always in good position defensively. And and I think when you're talking about the Martin Ferrivaris and the Ryan Chesleys, you know, that's that's sort of what you're looking at. You know, you're looking at these players that uh, are, are, you know, quietly play really, really well. You know, like I said, maybe they don't come out and do that, something that just wows you, but you leave the rink saying, boy, that was pretty, pretty mistake-free game. They're putting really solid. Well, those are the players that coaches like, but in, in many cases, more importantly, sometimes it's the type of player that an offensive style defenseman wants to play with. They want to play with those type of defensemen. They love those guys. You talk to Drew Doughty, how much he loved playing with like Rob Scuderi and, and Willie Mitchell and guys like that, where he never had to worry, right? Like you ask Mike Green, who would you like to play with? It's guys like that. You know, sometimes we don't appreciate, you know, players like that of how consistent they are in terms of just mistake-free hockey. And yeah. that, like, and breaking up plays, you know, and they just sort of, if you accumulate that over time, Boy, it makes a huge, huge difference. No, I agree, and I, I think there's a, a real level of trust too with whoever your defense coach is. You know, when they have players like that that are that you're mentioning that are you know kind of really good complementary players to that really offensive you know player that they have, I, I think those uh, those complementary guys are very, very valuable. You know, in the sense that you know they're always going to be in the right position and be able to back up you know that offensive you know um, defenseman that you have who maybe is you know, allowed to take more chances and be a little more creative because he has such a, you know, solid player with him as a partner. Well, Ross, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Always appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you at the rink. Oh, it's a, uh, it's a pleasure. It's uh, I always enjoy your conversation, Shane. Thank you very much. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back right after these messages. Every play, 
every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but altogether, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is our two in Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. Speaking with Patrick Williams, AHL correspondent for AHL.com and NHL.com. We're continuing to talk about rookies in the AHL, toughest league in the world. Um, I know people want to debate me on that, but it's not true. AHL is the toughest. Other than the NHL, it is what it is, right? It is. So, and I know Patrick Williams would agree with me 100%. So, we can talk about the rookies and let's talk about the leading score of rookies in the entire American hockey league. I know it's been only five games, but Joshua Waugh for Laval has 11 points, 11, like getting two points a game in the American league, <laughs> even in a short period of time is generally unheard of. So it's really impressive. And what I liked have liked about his development. Yes. He came into the queue early, a lot of expectations on him. He moved teams, um, still obviously, you know, had a last two years were great, but he played a lot of games in junior before going to the American Hockey League. And I really thought that was really important for his development. I thought it, the world junior experience was really important for his experience. 
And I think that's made all the difference so far early in the season. Yes, it's early. So we're going to temper our enthusiasm just a little bit, Patrick. Yeah, of course. And, you know, we, we've, we've seen this before where, you know, players have great starts and then kind of the realities of the American hockey league, six months, uh, 72 games, three and threes, uh, three and fours, the schedule grind catches up with players, but you know, while that being said, um, judge a player on what he's done so far, and um, you know, to Joshua Wa, I mean, you have to be happy with what he's uh, certainly production wise, and, and I mean, you know, really looking like quite the find. I mean, a player that was first team all star last year in the queue, a player that's uh, fifth round pick, too, right? So, like, wow, you start hitting on some of those picks, fourth, fifth, sixth round type those, picks, those are home runs. I can't yeah, emphasize runs, how much. Uh, those, are those are more massive. like three run home runs. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you, you just, it's like almost like getting a bonus first rounder, right? Like, so, um, yeah, so far so good. Like Laval's an interesting team this year. Uh, they're going to kind of be a team, I think, you don't maybe evaluate as much for the wins and losses because it is a young group. Uh, several top prospects come in. Uh, we've talked about, you know, Logan Mayu and, uh, you know, James Struble and, and Sean Farrell, and Joshua Wah, Riley Kidney, so on and so forth. So, like, you know, there, there are going to be those ups and downs that you have to expect. But, uh, you know, uh, I think certainly if you can get that production um, up early to the point where, I mean, you're leading the lead, that, that's great for a young player. Get him some early confidence, uh, make him feel kind of at ease at, you know, a, a real tough level, like you said, you know, to come into at 20 years old and uh, so far so good for him. Well, let's talk about John Farinacci in Providence for the Boston Bruins, because he's a 22 year old. And this is where I, I generally like the age of prospects mm-hmm. to come into the American league, usually 20, 20, 21 to 22. Uh, just give them a little bit more seasoning before they come in, because obviously he came through, you know, the USHL, you know, Muskegon U.S. National Program, a little, like a couple games. Uh, Muskegon again for a few games, and then Harvard University for three three years, and was the captain for the team last year. Mm-hmm. You know, and he comes out gangbusters, not like Joshua Waugh, but when you're a point a game as a rookie, five points in five games, that's something to take notice as well early in the season. Yeah, doesn't it seem like Boston always seems to find that? These, these these picks? They, they they picked these guys up out of college as free agents. Them, um, you know, he was Boston, a player that was drafted. Washington, Anaheim. They just they yeah. we see it in Hershey, San Diego, and Providence all the time. It's like we're on yeah. repeat on this show with you and I. Yeah, you know, like you know, originally uh, he was a Arizona third rounder uh, back in 2019. Um, didn't stick there. Goes to Harvard. Um, like you said, captain of the team there, um, well-rounded player, comes in now a little bit older, a little bit more polished as a 22-year-old. They get him in on that two-year entry level, um, and, you know, you're just getting a much more kind of um, mature-type player. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you're captaining Harvard. Uh, There's that's a lot of responsibility on your yeah. on, on your shoulders. you got yeah. high-level academics to get through on a daily basis. And then mm-hmm. you have the pressure of the team on top of that. So like yeah. you have, that's to me, I look at that as time management and understanding yes. your priorities, what's most important and being self-disciplined, which is why I look at that situation going, that's a really good environment for some kids to be in where 
they can handle, they understand they have to be self-disciplined. And there's other kids that are in college who are not self-disciplined and don't sure. take advantage of that. Yeah. You know, if you're just there to major, I mean, you know, it'll be what you make of it. Like if you're just there to major in hockey, then so be it, I suppose. That's your, that's your choice. That's your education. But, you know, if you're a player um, that can come in and, and balance those responsibilities, both academically and uh, hockey wise, and um, it just, it, I think it speaks volumes, uh, you know, kind of like, yeah, like you said, the level of maturity, composure and captain in a team. I mean, you know, you just look up and down, like Boston always seems to find these guys, right? Like, and, and, and one of the things that Boston has going for it, I know they've taken a lot of, um, you know, uh, flack over the years for for their drafts and such, but you know they offer a really attractive uh, starting. Have been good. Oh, six they're good. They're yeah, actually in the top sure. ten. They're good. But you know, in terms of you know, they they still even now. I think people people lose sight of the fact that you know this has been a contender for for years and years. That uh, you know you're not getting those high round pit or those high you know picks high up in the round. So, but you know they have an excellent development system. We've discussed this really you know at length. Uh, what they have in Providence, and then they bring in these players that are already uh, you know, well-rounded, uh, mature players. Uh, and you know, as a as a team that has a very attractive um, setup to offer, they're going to get some of these these free agent uh, kids coming out of college. And you know, you're almost kind of getting you know in a way you're getting some free development there. You know, like they've been able to uh, take that college path. Uh, get bigger, get stronger. You know, you're not playing as much of a demanding schedule. So I really like the the strategy that the the Bruins have, have utilized through the years, even though they've never, you know, really for you know, going on almost 15 years now, not been a team that's been able to draft uh, high up. You know, most years. Well, let's quickly got a couple minutes left. Talk about Ethan Cardwell because this is his first year. He's in San Jose, the Barracuda, and he's a point a game as well. Four four points in four games coming out of Barry and the OHL, and he's a 21-year-old. But that, to me, is impressive. I mean, having obviously a monster last year when he had 90 points in 62 games. Yeah, you know, a guy that's, you know, has had to, you know, kind of, you know, wait all we had to play his overage year. Fourth-round pick. So, you know, you're not coming in with, you know, a ton of – you know, a ton of hype. Now, you know, he had a very good season last year, obviously, yeah. production-wise with Barry. Um, so that was, you know, that was great. I mean, it's to be, you know, I think somewhat expected, you know, being, being an older player. But nevertheless, uh, he did it. Um, you know, he's, you know, we, we've talked about this too, that just, you know, some of these players that got caught up in that that COVID pandemic year, you know, it was a disruptive to the, uh, yeah, 100%. element to their, to their development. And, um, you know, I think uh, it's something that we've had to watch over the last couple of years just to see how players navigated it. There's really no precedent for it. But uh, I think for him, you know, he's 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 on track and, you know, he's he's now coming into a situation with the Barracuda where they they really made an effort, you know, collectively to, to kind of bolster that lineup. Uh, they've had some tough years recently. Uh, so they brought in a lot of good veterans. So now you're, you're providing that cocoon atmosphere. Um, for a young player like Cardwell coming in where he doesn't have to come in and do everything right off the bat. Right. Like you're, you're, you're in a kind of a, an environment where you, you can, you can ease yourself into the pro game. You can, you can not take on too much too soon. And then when you're ready, they, they kind of hand that off to you. So I, I like what Sandals say is doing, you know, development wise, 
Um, it's going to be, you know, certainly some work uh, still has to come for both, you know, a player like Cardwell and just uh, the entire team. But um, I really like the group collectively. Patrick, once again, great content on the show. Really appreciate the insight of the AHL rookies as well. And look forward to speaking to you next week. Absolutely. Thank you. That's Patrick Williams, AHL correspondent for NHL.com and AHL.com. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back in Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and study to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. Speaking with Mike McMahon, College Hockey Insider. Read his Substack, the College Hockey Insider. Again, uh, great updates on what's going on in college hockey as well. He is a senior writer for the College Hockey News as well. We're going to, in this segment, uh, once again, we're going to talk about drafted players in college hockey. And right off the top, I want to get your thoughts on Scott Morrow at UMass, Carolina Hurricanes draft pick, second round 40th overall in 2021. And one of the interesting things like about him, so obviously he came from Shattuck St. Mary's system. I think he played there five years. Like he went from oh, 2016 to 2021. And then he went, you know, played 
six games with Fargo and USHL, two with Youngstown. So you got about eight games in there, but then jumped directly into college hockey. And one of my concerns always is, is the number of games played, Mike, before you have to play pro. Like it gets really high level competition. Nothing against St. Mary's, but they are a U.S. like prep school. And mm. the level of competition they face is not exactly this. It's not close to what the USHL is. So I'm always like, ah, those kind of players, I want them to play that third year. And Scott Morrow is. And look, and to his credit, you know, his first two years in terms of offensive production, and that's what he is. He's an offensive defenseman, have been excellent um, in his freshman and sophomore year. And he continues that trend. Like in five games so far as we've recorded this, he's got seven points. So once again, he's leaning, leaning you know, heavily in the high, you know, high offensive production. Yeah, and that's what they need out of him. They need him to be an offensive driver, even though he's playing on the back end. They've needed him to do that since his freshman year, really. Yeah. Um, but I think even more so this year, when you look at again, like some of the turnover and roster, the guys that they lost. I mean, there's they had some recruits that that bailed last minute, you know, a couple of years ago. So I, I think they envisioned this class being a little bit different than it ended up being. Uh, but now he's really become he's been an offensive driver since his freshman year, 13 goals as a freshman as a defenseman. But uh, I think even more so this year, they're going to rely on him to to provide that offense. And also, his role has changed a little bit because they are so much of a younger team at UMass now. They're playing really well, but it's a lot of freshmen and it's a lot of sophomores. And even the juniors that they have are juniors that are moving into different roles, uh, even some drafted players that, that are maybe playing or bottom six players their first two years. Now they're, they're taking a step up, playing a top six role. So there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance going on there where guys are going into different roles. they got younger guys. They're going to rely on him not only to, to be an offensive driver, but I think to kind of be the glue that holds that team together from a leadership standpoint, because he is one of the older guys now. Um, so I, I think you know he's he, he's really uh, what's to say he's a straw that that stirs the drink there in, in a lot of ways. I think in a lot of different ways. How much do you think they're going to have to start relying on him to be more of a defensive stalwart? I mean, that's not his natural game. Of course, he plays defense. He's a defenseman, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're great in that area. And he's good, but he's not a Nick. You know, he's not a Brock Faber kind of defensive defenseman, of course. Uh, but how much more of that is going to be, you think he's going to be relied upon? Oh, big time. Even more so because of the minutes that he's going to play. I mean, you're talking about a guy, I don't know what his minutes are this year, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out if they were 25, 26 minutes a game. He's going to be out there a lot, you know? So uh, he can't he can't be a liability in his own end uh, because of the number of minutes he needs to play. And I, I wonder, too, if that's part of the reason why uh, why he is back for that third year. There's a lot of different reasons, but that could be a big one. Uh, so that tighten up things in your own end so that you are ready to be that two-way defenseman when you transition to pro hockey. Uh, probably still going to need some seasoning, you know, at the AHL level, but at least you've you've had a little bit more experience. You've, you're have you not just a guy that's so programmed offense, offense, offense. You, you need to have a little bit in today's NHL. You need to be able to play both sides of the ice, and I think that could be a reason why he came back too, to, to really refine that part of his game. Thoughts on Jack Pert? You know, another defenseman in, in that respect from St. Cloud State, Minnesota Wild Draft pick, 54th overall in 2021. Not the biggest guy at 5'11", probably 185 to 190 pounds, you know, and smaller defensemen don't generally survive or thrive in the NHL. But obviously, he's a really smart player, played at two world juniors. You know, he's reliable and coaches rely on him. So what do you think he needs to do? with this stage in his college career, what are the things that you want to see out of him before he turns pro 
because that's going to be a big step for him. I think if I were in his shoes, and it's the same, I would say to obviously a lot of smaller defensemen, what would be to try to take the the Tory Krug blueprint and copy that as much as you can. And when you look at Krug, it's like, well, smaller guy, but he's strong. You know, he's yeah. physically strong. He's not. It's, he might be a smaller guy, but he can throw his weight around when he has to. He's he's still good in the corners. Like just physically, he's a really strong player. He's got a really strong base. Uh, that's where I think if you're a guy like Pert, again, a little bit undersized, bigger than Krug, but a little bit undersized by NHL standards, you have to start there. You're not going to be able to get pushed around. Uh, and, and he hasn't been. I mean, playing the NCH is going to help him in that regard because you're playing against, you know, men. You're playing against big, strong guys almost on a nightly basis, older players too. Uh, I think that's going to help him. Offensively, he's good. You know, he's off to a little bit of a slow start this year, but offensively, he's good. Uh, I, I think someone in his shoes, though, you, you want to look at, Okay, how did how did Tory Krug get from point A to point B? Uh, you know, in his career, going from college to the NHL, and and I think if you're a guy like Pert or or any defenseman who in college hockey who's under six feet tall, that's the that's you want to try to get that blueprint and follow it as best you can. It's easier said than done, but that's that's the way to go. You know, as much as we like to talk about you know smaller players, you know, filtrating into the NHL, that may be true at the Ford ranks. But it's not true at defensive ranks. And you look at the defense cores of teams that make it through the NHL playoffs, you know, they, they can afford to have a, one smaller defenseman, but that's generally it. And the rest yeah. is, you know, they're going to have to be bigger. You look at, you know, St. Louis's blue line. You look at Tampa's blue line when they won. You look at Vegas's blue line. You know, Colorado wasn't as big as those other three, but they still had some pretty big guys. So, you know, there's there's that as well. So uh last player we I mean, look at talk- Boston. Right. Boston's- I was gonna say look at Boston last year. I mean Matt Grizzlick was a regular in the lineup all year long. Get to the playoffs. I, I don't know how many games he played in that series against Florida, but it wasn't many. Maybe two. <laughs> yeah, and and it's just you get ground down, you know, and you fight like a dog. And I love the guys like Jared Spurgeon, you know, excellent defenseman, but you know, those guys are are rarities. Jackson Blake from North Dakota. Carolina Hurricanes fourth round pick thoughts on him overall in terms of what he could be doing moving forward dynamic player for North Dakota and a, and a big one for them to get back I thought I mean that that's a North Dakota team yeah. that I think is pretty good uh, I think they're going to be in the tournament this year you know, they, they missed it last year but I think they're going to be back in it this year uh, there's a lot of components why they, they really rebuilt their D in the transfer portal and yeah. I think they were able to focus on the back end and Ludwig Person, who they got as a transfer from Miami to lock down their their, their goaltending position, I think you know, they felt they were able to focus on the back end and the goaltender and what they needed to address because Blake was coming back. And I mean, again, forty two points as a freshman last year, yeah, in, no, in the NCHC, right? Yeah, that's, like yeah, that, that's tough. Not easy to do. And, and he's in August birthday, so I mean, he he turned nineteen years old, but he didn't turn nineteen years old until just before the season started. Yeah, and was nineteen years old for the entire season last year. So it's not like he's coming in as a twenty-one year old freshman either. Uh, not the biggest guy in the world. Super skilled, and now you know, he was relied on. But by, by the time we got to Christmas last year, it was pretty evident that he was going to be relied upon every night to to provide some offense for that team. Yeah, but I think even more so now. There's there's a little bit of pressure coming into the year because. Uh, they they do have some older players. They got like Hunter Johannes out of the portal, and he's a grad student. And Cameron Burke came over from Omaha, but still, Blake even as a sophomore, 
uh, is going to be a guy that they're going to look at and say, look, we, we need you to drive us, you know, especially offensively. Uh, and he's done it. He's done well. You know, three points so far in four games, leads the team in shots. Uh, he's playing a very similar game that he played last year. I think most guys, freshman to sophomore year, across college hockey, the one thing that they find, especially the younger guys, the guys that are 18 or 19 when they're freshmen, uh, I think they find, hey, I've got to get physically stronger if I'm going to be able to last the full season because you don't need to be necessarily when you're when you're playing juniors. Uh, you're playing guys that are the same age and same size as you. Uh, Blake is a guy that I think w- could benefit and, and probably will benefit this year to that summer he spent in the weight room and getting a little bit physically stronger. Yeah, he certainly is a fourth-round pick from Carolina, 109th overall in 2021. And I thought he acquitted himself really well at the World Juniors from that respect as well. So I'm curious to see how that develops. Like there's only 15 players on average from, you know, the fourth to seventh rounds that play more than two games in the NHL at any given draft. So is he one of them? I think the longer he plays in North Dakota, he gets another year under his belt, gets three years and then goes to pro. I think that will be, you know, really important for him. Uh, but want to thank Mike very much for coming to the show. Once again, always appreciate it. We're going to take a short break on hockey prospect radio and we'll be right back. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hockey Prospect Radio and Outside Edge Hockey Player Development for on and off ice training featuring KPI-based conditioning programs at OutsideEdge.ca. We welcome in Pat Malloy. Pat, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Well, this week, our topic is neutral forward shooting, precision and release. So for our non-technical listeners out there, um, you're going to have to do a little bit of description of what that means and then how that applies uh, at, at all levels of hockey, you know, probably more specifically for prospects and for the NHL. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we touched on on you know shooting skills for the pro game last week in, in last week's segments. Um, it, you know, really building the concept of neutral forward shooting. It's it's recognizing um, you know hand placement and the ability to expedite time by being able to explode forward and, and create power and velocity using the technology with new sticks. And really, I think we know in the pro game, time is of the essence. And so that ability to be able to sort of take a shot where it's, it's from the neutral point of your body. And what I say about that is if I was to just extend my arms out like across to my side, that would be sort of the neutral spot of your body in line with your hips. And anything forward of that is, of course, forward. And anything behind that's where we start to get rotational and load up and really try to, you know, to build that, that old school wrist shot weight transfer type of shooting. What we know now is that, you know, with technology, neutral forward shooting has become something that we can generate power. We can generate placement, you know, with the way these, these new sticks are built that, that we couldn't do 15 years ago. And so, you know, when, when prospects come and it, it's, it's, you know, talking about neutral forward shooting, it's can we generate, you know, the proper amount of width in that stick? Can we generate the proper amount of power and, our, and acquire it to be able to put pucks where we're trying to? And so, you know, that leads me sort of to precision and, and release. And so those things become, you know, especially growing up when kids are coming through Bantam and into midget and, and then, you know, entering into their, their junior careers prior to being um, prospects, if you will. A lot of times what we see is everybody's trying to shoot really hard. And so that, that's great, but time is of the essence. And so that explosiveness is where we really try to go to uh, when working on neutral forward shooting. You've mentioned a lot of very interesting elements that I, I think also define uh, how defensemen are starting to operate at the back end more and more. Where you're, I remember watching the um, for my for my scouting school, I was watching the 2012-2013 uh, U18s, and the biggest difference between 2012 and 2013 and now is how not just forwards but defensemen shoot from the back end. Everything is about, as you're saying, new, that neutral shot where you can get it off the stick a lot faster. It's all about getting it through lanes now. It's not not so much the power, which leads me into I was recently watching Mackie Smaskovich and assessing his shot for the black book. And one thing that's very interesting about what he's, what he's learned to do specifically with the man advantage is that he doesn't just shoot from a neutral zone position, but he's dropping his hip line. So he actually hits the ice surface, very similar to Michael Camilleri. Okay. For some of our listeners to uh, get a visual representation, can you discuss just the significance of, of uh, a player fully dropping through and fully loading through the release through their hips and dropping to their knees? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, when we talk about the idea that time is of the essence, um, Power is certainly a component, but quickness and explosiveness wins the day. And so by creating that leverage, dropping your hips down and being able to generate force from that neutral spot in your body forward, it doesn't give goaltenders, you know, a chance to become set. And so, you know, in, in previous segments, we talked about how, you know, goaltending has, has sort of been a little bit ahead in terms of the way they prepare for shooters in terms of coaching specific to the position you know and from a skills component we're, we're starting to catch up now where we recognize that if we can create that explosive release and precision in the way that we do it 
hips down, hand off the body, generating that forward thrust and, and, you know, really finishing with our bottom hand digging and, and pointing to what we wind up shooting at those little micro adjustments or lack thereof um, that those things create uh, give advantage to shooters. And, and I think we inherently know that when you line up pucks, you know, goalies typically have an advantage specifically when they're square and they're not moving. So that explosive release for us is number one, hard to gauge because the tell to the shooter or from the shooter is a whole lot more difficult. And, and really it's something that, you know, you start getting into Bantam and, and midget hockey and, and you'll even see some peewee kids now that are, are starting to, you know, and so I guess that's a little bit old school when I talk about U15, U13, U12 in terms of age groups, uh, you know, introducing this sort of technique is, is, is expediting the time it takes for them to show, hey, I'm going to shoot. And, and, you know, start to clearly change um, the dynamic between goalie and shooter to more of a quality concept in terms of shooting percentage for shooters. It's Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com. We're powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're talking about our player development segment with pat malloy the topic this week is neutral forward shooting precision and release pat can you describe a little bit about the advantage of that you know that quick release the precision on how it affects because we talked about it, how it affects goaltenders but what about def- defensemen in terms of when you're a defender you can sometimes see the telegraph in players before it's even happened so that it allows you to at least get a stick or like part of your body or to try to close the lane the best you can um, will what you're teaching and what you're evaluating help decrease that tell because that's one of the things I I always look at in terms of the, the shooter but also the defender does the shooter telegraph and then does the defender understand the telegraph um and will this sort of minimize that from a shooting perspective 100 percent you know we'll we'll talk a lot with with clients about and and you know at the national hockey league level time in buffalo and in ottawa the things that i would talk about is shot suppression versus shot generation and so you know if if we know that modern day defending players are trying to suppress your ability to shoot you know, flipping the script in terms of how do we generate, you know, shots on net, you know, never mind from good spots, that's a whole other category, but generating them, we know that we need to be able to shoot around and through people and extra time where it's, you know, I'm going to try to load, load those tells, if we can eliminate those and create situations where I can generate shots without the whole world, let alone the people defending me, plus the goaltender know that it's coming. Um, that only tips uh, the scale in terms of, you know, the ability to drive shooting percentage and do some of those things up. And, and that's what we're aiming to do. So, you know, always when I relate it back to gameplay, it's, it's that, you know, generation versus suppression mindset in that can we change the things we do to generate more favorable responses when it comes to shooting and getting pucks through. Pat, is the neutral forward shooting position at its most optimal from stationary positions, or do you find that it's something that you're able to develop when in, in half strides, full strides, how would you break down its effectiveness in terms of motion to, uh, to stationary positions? I mean, often it's, it's pretty difficult unless it's a power play setting and, and, you know, maybe you're that bumper player where it's just 
caught to neutral from a pass and then it's off on your stick, off your stick. You know, what we'll do a lot of is, is in previous segments, we talked about multiple threat posture where maybe it comes off of a carrying sequence or maybe it comes off a pass reception where we've caught it into an area where I can shoot it immediately, if so choose, if that's the play, um, you know, redistribute in terms of passing or continue on in possession. But really what, what we're looking for is, is whether it's off the catch or if it's off of, of a rush or if it's off possession, we want to have it in a spot where at any moment I can provide down force through my hips and bottom hand and really rotate my trunk through to where I'm trying to get it without the whole world knowing, oh, look, he's loading up for the big wrist shot or he's going to wind and take a, you know, a degree of a slap shot. And so, you know, what we'll do is certainly drill it in game-like scenarios where, you know, it's off the catch, it, you know, maybe it's coming from the flank or from a bumper position where it's, it's, you're in possession and, you know, it's, it's from a catch to a release component. And, and saying that Pat, um, how difficult is it just to be able to teach that to the point where it becomes instinctual, where they don't have to think about doing that type, doing that type of shot in those type of situations. Is it a year, a year and a half, two years, or it just depends on the, on the player. You know, each athlete's individual, I think of a couple of clients that really, you know, sort of took off with it in, you know, a Mason McTavish, for instance, is fresh in everybody's mind because of the U 18s, an absolute wonderful release from a neutral forward position. Um, you know, took it up very quickly, really adapted himself very quickly. Uh, a guy like Tyler Toffoli is similar in that it seems like he doesn't really have to do much and the puck comes off his stick really easily and, and with velocity and power. You know, other players, some more slight players that maybe aren't as far along in their development, um, you know, they're looking to generate power. They want to load and they want everything to be hard because they think they need to overpower goaltenders and and really, that's that's getting over that hurdle can sometimes be the, the biggest thing. Pat, we want to thank you once again for coming on our show, giving us some great insight and in player development. Look forward to speaking to you next week. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. We're going to take off and have a quick break. We'll be back right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. 
through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're speaking with Dr. Kevin Willis. He's a regular guest in the new feature on talking about grit and the mental toughness of the game. And Dr. Willis, uh, talk a little bit about the grit research. And I know that um, many of the things that you're talking about uh, were in Angela Duckworth's uh, book called Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. Um, I have the book. I'm staring at it in my office as we speak. And I I thought she did uh, an exceptional job of putting that together. And how much of that, of her research, um, influenced you when you started doing grit research uh, for your book and and what you do in your own your own uh, clinical, uh, you know, work as well. Well, it's funny because, you know, in hockey, the the term grit or gritty always sort of referred to that player that could really get under the skin of of the opponent, right? The the guy that could get people riled up, maybe was playing right on the edge of being dirty. And and that's sort of where hockey took the word. I'm looking at it, I'm coaching my guys, I'm thinking, that's not what it means. That's not what it means at all. Um, so I, I, that's one of the reasons why I decided to write the book is because I wanted to sort of, you know, set the record straight. That's not what it is. It's something different. And, and so got into her stuff. I did a lot of other research. You know, years ago, there wasn't a whole bunch on grit. Now there's a ton because it's a very – it's a cool word, right? It's, it's cool to be gritty. Um but the idea was that there are certain people that have advantages that given an opportunity to, you know, sort of expand those advantages, they don't, right? They just, they sort of, they, they give away that advantage they had. And then there are other people who don't have the advantages. They don't have sort of, you know, she used the example of kids in school, right? Kids that were just naturally gifted in math and then other kids who had to work really hard for math, but yet you look at their grades and they're very similar. And if not, the, 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 the non-math kids were, you know, maybe doing a little even better. Uh, and she's like, why? why? Why is that happening? And so she looked into it. She looked at things like the amount of effort they put into homework, the amount of passion that they have to, you know, to to get the grades. Um, and it, and she's looking at it. She's going, so there is a formula here. There is a There are things that they're doing that these other people who are gifted but aren't taking advantage of it. And so that's where I started. Uh, but then there are guys like Stephen Kotler, who has done a lot of work on flow. Um, he's he's one of my my mentors, and he's he talks a lot about how grit is is really 
it's not just perseverance and, and passion. You know, he gets into the idea of willpower and mindset, passion, and, you know, my, your ability to control thoughts and master fear and, and be your best when things are tough, those kinds of things. And so as it started to expand, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I can't put everything in here because we have to make this thing, you know, make sense. Um, and so I thought I liked Dr. Duckworth's stuff because it was um, she had a, an assessment. You do the assessment, you come out with a score, and that's a snapshot in time. And if you don't like that score, then you go to work, right? You go to work on the elements that make you a grittier person, and then you can jump back into that assessment and you can look and say, hey, is this working or not? There's not a ton of, of mental training that has you know, a metric or baseline associated with it like she has. And so I thought, wow. You know, if we can incorporate that, then we can provide proof um, to these kids that are committed to to doing the work um, that is working. And so they'll stay the course. You mentioned the term uh, flow, Kevin. I I remember reading the book flow. I I don't know if you've read it yourself, but it was a book by uh, Mahali Zixan Mahali. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I don't like butchering psychologist name, but I think that's it. Um, And and in that book, they described that um, one of the best ways to acquire flow is is through basically optimizing experience that simulates meditative trance or trance-like state. I I feel like meditation is is something that needs to be uh, used more often when it comes to basically development in all aspects of the mind, but specifically for areas where you need perseverance because it requires effortful, effortful attention. So my question is, do you, right, do you really right. feel that there is a, a baseline there where you have to go back and forth between basically acquiring the spark plug that is the ability to create an effortful attention so that the rest can fall in place and that you can go through the process of actually developing perseverance and grit over time? A hundred percent. You know, flow stems from focus. It stems from deep focus and it stems from, you know, playing right at the edge of your abilities, but finding success, Right. Um, and so there's sort of a, I don't know, there's sort of a magical thing that happens when you're right at the edge of your abilities, but everything is just happening. Um, and yeah, I think that Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, he's yeah, that's a weird name. You should, yeah, he 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 really dialed that in as far as the different aspects of how to get into flow. There's, there's a list of 22 triggers that help people get into flow states. All of these things are things that we can teach, but it all begins with focus. And focus is a function of of knowing what you want, right? Being committed to going after it and then staying the course on the path. And so I think that ties in brilliantly to grit because grit is about focus. It is about attention to detail. It is about staying the course when things are difficult. And so that ultimately, I think any athlete is going, their, their ultimate goal is to be able to play in a flow state more often because when you're in, in a flow state, you're playing your very best um, hockey and you're you know, burning less energy and it's more enjoyable, right? Um, so it's a wonderful thing to get to, but I think to get the flow, there are some gates that we have to pass through. And I think one of them is, is understanding that grit aspect, but I think you're spot on. I think the idea of mindfulness and meditation, these are, these are things that we can train and, and we do train these things, but you know, it's, it's one of those things that it seems so simple that it's almost like, are, are you kidding? This, this is really going to help me. But at the end of the day, and we'll get into all these other things, you know, as the series progresses, but, at the end of the day, if you don't know your own mind, if you don't recognize your own thoughts, then it's going to be very difficult to pretty much do anything. 
in the game because, you know, people say, well, how much of the game is mental and how much is, is physical? And, and honestly, I don't want the exact answer because it just jumps around. Anybody I've ever asked, you know, they're 70%, 60%, 80%, right? All I know is I've never heard anybody say it's less than 50%, and I would agree that it's not less than 50%. But what, here's what I can tell you. is that everything starts with the brain, everything. Everything starts with the brain. So if you were to look at it from that perspective, then this game is 100% mental. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad Allen from HockeyProspect.com, powered by Power Player Hockey Player Development Software at ThePowerPlayer.com. We're speaking with Dr. Kevin Willis uh, about grit research uh, from his book, Hockey Grit, Grind in Mind. And uh, one quick question, we'll have two minutes left Uh Kevin, as we move forward into, uh, you know, these segments, uh, I'm glad you both brought up flow uh, because Stephen Kotler is someone that I read um, and I've actually taken his program on flow. Um, if, if I was an athlete trying to get into the NHL, I would be clamoring to take that class. Um, I think all the, the rules and the things that they help you understand and something that obviously Brad had brought up in terms of mindfulness um, is one of the critical things that are necessary in the program that I took. And it can drastically increase your level of efficiency and how much you can get done in a short period of time. Everybody talks about like being in the zone when athletes are in the zone and everything goes right. That's what flow is. But there's a way of getting into it. And then there's a way when you get out of it and you have to have active recovery from a psychological standpoint. So um, those are things that, you know, Kevin, um, that we can talk about again as well. Uh, But we want to thank you very much for coming on the show. We really look forward to uh, this new series of topics about getting into the psychology of the game and the, the, the brain and the, you know, the mind and how important that is. So, um, thank you very much for coming on today. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Outstanding. I'll talk to you then. Thanks guys. That's Dr. Kevin Willis. This has been another edition of hockey prospect radio. I'm Shane Malloy along with Brad Allen, and we will see you at the rink. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. 
through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, bantam, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.